We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. I really feel like God wants to do something very powerful in your life. You don't know, uh, there's something special about coming together uh, in church you know, that's different to you listening to a podcast uh, because this is how God intended it to be, what we're doing today. It's, it's not just about what I hear and the words that I hear, it's what I feel, what I experience, what I imbibe, what, I, what I'm able to take on board in the atmosphere. Because there's something about the atmosphere of faith corporately that is far, far greater. And, and the ability for us to receive into our hearts is far stronger when we're together than it is when we're by ourselves. And God's kind of made it that way on purpose so that uh, we'd never ever forget and think that technology, I think God could see right down the track to, uh, to the day that the iPhone would be introduced and uh, realize that we could all become selfish and sit at home and listen and whatever. And if you can't make it a church, what a great technology. But here's the thing, God wants us to be together because it's together we change the world. And, and God, you know, when God wanted to get love to the world, He created families, right? That's why the devil hates your family, tries to divide it, because it's a resemblance of God Himself, and it's the way He gets love to every human being. When we're Christians, the way He does it, He puts us in families called the church, the family of God. That's why it's called the family of God, so that we can be nourished and grow up. So knowledge doesn't ever make us uh, a mature person. It's always about life in the family. And so that's why it's phenomenal to get together today. So I'm just grateful for Sue and Jared, what they're doing, what you guys are doing is inspiring. You've inspired me this weekend uh, to go back to, uh, to Atlanta, which t- this morning is raining, uh, not raining, it's uh, snowing in Atlanta today. Now, that, that might sound normal for some people, but in Atlanta, they've got three snowplows. So that tells you in a city of six million, uh, there's not much moving around the city whenever there's snow, which is about once every two years. But I'm sure my grandkids will be just loving it, and my granddaughter, my daughter-in-laws will be loving uh, putting their children into the clothes that look good on Instagram for the snow. <laughs> True story, everybody. <laughs> so I remember being at a showdown game between uh, the Power and uh, between uh, the Crows, um, and uh, I, I had, at that stage, Andrew Bolt had come to spend the morning with me and have breakfast. And so, everyone heard of Andrew Bolt, a great commentator on, on, in the Herald Sun and other places. And so, we'd spent time together. And uh, then I went to find my tickets. I had, I had membership tickets, and I went to find my tickets, and they were all lost. And so, uh, actually, it's a funny story, because I went straight down to Hindley Street, which is kind of like the, you know, the seedy part of town. And it was a Saturday morning after the Friday night, and... Here I am, uh, picture, the, uh, the picture if you can, uh, outside of McDonald's with their big wheelie bin and I'm crawling inside trying to find my tickets, right? Because when I had picked up Andrew Bolt, I'd chucked stuff out of my front seat into that bin and I had this feeling that I had put all my tickets in the bin. So anyway, <coughs> here I am uh, feeling right at home on Hindley Street. And so uh, eventually I just go out and I check my car, there's nothing in there. So I go down to Amy Stadium at the time, and I remember uh, standing in line in the, with a lost ticket 
uh, line. And so I'm standing there. The game's about to start. It's like a preliminary final. It's just a very important game to be there. And, and I've got all my kids there, and I've got other friends there, and I've got about 10 tickets, something like that. And so I'm standing in the line waiting, and then this guy just gets uh, real close. You know, I've got, I got a pretty generous personal space, but, you know, there, there is a limit to how close I want you to be. And so uh, this guy was moving right into my generous personal space. So I kept moving over to give more room for my personal space, only to have it stolen once again. And this happened for about 15 minutes. You know how you get this inside of you, it's just building up this annoyance that someone's in your personal space. And you're trying to be Jesus and you're trying to love all, do all that kind of stuff. And then you, then you just convince yourself you aren't Jesus, so it's okay. And, and so you... <laughs> You turn to the person and say, mate, are you all right? You're right. Everything okay? Need anything? You know, I kind of try to say it in my kindest voice. Um, But he really was up here like, you know, I could smell his aftershave. I could smell, uh, you know, last night's dinner. I could smell maybe even the week before, whatever happened. So I get, so he's in close in my personal space. And he says to me, he says, I said, so you all right? You okay? And he goes, I was just wondering, do you need some tickets? And I said, yeah, I actually do. I actually do need some tickets. I said, I've got 10 tickets here that I'm not going to use that are in the member's stand. They're exactly the tickets I needed. Right now, in fact, did he steal these tickets? No. And so he's standing there and he gives me these tickets and we end up watching the showdown and I think we lost. It wasn't really worth watching. But the point was, the point was, and it was amazing how God spoke to me. He says, you know, this is how you live your life, Ashley. This is how you live your life. He says, favor is right next to you, but you can never recognize it. You're so caught up with what you're doing that you don't see that I'm standing right next to you with the tickets you need to do the things that you need to do that you're stressed about. And God began to speak to me just in that one instance about His favor because one of the things that we think is, we think that prosperity and favor is all kind of part of the prosperity gospel. Uh, But I've got news for you uh, that God does want us to live uh, well because His grace is upon us. Now, it's really interesting because the word grace actually is the word favor. Okay, so it says when God's grace came upon us, it means God's favor came upon us. And I'm going to kind of talk to you today with the time that we have uh, to try to get you to understand what God's been doing in my life, which is a revolution of grace. It's about me understanding God's favor towards me. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a person with high standards. I'm a person that'll be hard on myself. I'm a person that if, I, if I've done something wrong, feel unworthy to come before God. And God has been trying to get that out of my heart and out of my spirit because I'll end up living the way I was in that line, hoping to quickly get into that game. But come on, hurry up at the front of the line already. There are 100 people on the line. And God says, I put favor right next to you, but you're so focused on your problems that you don't ever notice what I'm trying to do in your life because you're not expecting favor. You're just expecting to do it the hard way. So I want to talk to you today about it because... Because if we don't have God's favor, because the truth is, if we don't have God's favor, what makes us different to anyone else out there? We're just more religious and and we like being in church more and we, we believe that there's a God. But really, in our personal lives, salvation becomes just a ticket to heaven rather than 
God's favor and God's power and God's supply and God's provision and God's help for everyday living. You see, if I was the devil, don't even think of the comparisons. If I was the devil, you know what my tactic would be for your life? My tactic would be to make you forget that you have the gift of grace and the gift of righteousness. I would make you forget who you are. I'd make you forget that you're under the grace and the favor of God, and I would make you forget that you're righteous before God. If I was the devil, that'd be my strategy. Why? Because then I could get you worried, stressed, keep you away from relationship with God. I could do all the things that I try to in other ways, but for Christians, that would be my easiest way to keep you bound. Let me read to you Romans 5.17. And you'll like this, Romans 5.17. For if by the sin of the one man, there we go, look at that. I love that. I feel like I'm in the Uniting Church. Okay. Uh, for, can someone just take that top off? Because here's a tip if you're ever traveling in a church the top needs to be off the water in order to be able to be used because you've only got one hand, just so you know. Okay, all right, just Spencer for the future, right? Grace and peace to you, right? Okay, is this the quiet service? Okay. <laughs> Everyone felt guilty about laughing too much. All right. For if by the sin of the one man, Jesus, <coughs> sorry, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more, everybody, let's see, say this part together. In fact, we're going to read the verse together. Okay. So if by the trespass of the one man, let's say it, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. I'm going to read it to you again. It says, As if by the sin of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more will those who receive, receive the tickets to the game, the abundant provision of grace, unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. The only thing that determines whether you reign in life, according to Paul, writing the, this great treatise about grace. Think about how God's got a great sense of humor. He takes the great legalist, the one that would kill people for living under grace, the ones that would, that would persecute people that believed in Jesus' grace, and he would, and God gives him a revelation, so he becomes the great theologian of grace. And he says this, but you only, the difference between those who reign and those who don't are those who receive the abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. Abundant means profuse, lavish, rich, extra, extra is what abundant provision. So well, how much grace have you got? Well, I've got enough grace to get to heaven. Well, that's great. Awesome. Keep that. But guess what? God's got you, God given you grace to those that receive it, not to those who are educated about it, those who know about it, those who've done a Bible degree on it. He says to those who receive it, 
I've given you an abundant provision of grace so that you may, what? Reign in life. What does reigning in life mean? It means I reign in my marriage. It means I reign in my finances. It means I reign over sickness. Tell me, let me ask you a question. If you're sick, are you reigning? No, sickness is reigning. If you're poor, are you reigning? No, poverty is reigning. That's why we need to understand the provision of grace, okay, so that we may reign in life. Doesn't mean that, that conditions have to be perfect. It's not saying that. But here, Jesus has died on the cross. It's finished. It's done. And he says, those who receive the abundant provision of grace that, what, that Jesus provided on the cross are those who reign in life. If you need to understand something, God wants to bless you. This is not a blab it and grab it kind of deal. This is a deep theology that many people miss out for. Now, this is not for the world out there. There is no grace for them other than saving grace. This is for us despite the coronavirus or the, let's call it the VB virus. See, it's named after a beer, Corona. If I was in America, I'd call it the Miller Lite virus. Here's the thing, right? It's not about what happens out there. It's about what happens in those that have relationship with Jesus. You are under a different system than the people that are in the world. So come on. So stop expecting what the world expects. Because those who receive the abundant provision of grace aren't being hurt by the virus, they're reigning above the virus. I know that's messing with your theology. Okay, let's move on. God wants to bless us. Grace is a gift. It's unearned. We talked about this on Friday night. It's undeserved. You can't earn it, otherwise it would, then it wouldn't be a gift. You can't deserve it. It wouldn't be a gift. The moment you work for it, it's a salary, not a gift. It's something you earn, it's not a gift. Something you deserve, it's not a gift. A gift is unearned, undeserved, doesn't affect your credit score, doesn't affect anything. Now in the Old Testament, uh, under the law of Moses, there were 10 commandments, <clears throat> which, the, which the children of Israel seemed to enjoy adding to. So in the end, when Jesus came, there was another 603 laws. So 613 laws controlled the masses. Right? And so everything was about this. If you do good, you'll get good. If you do bad, you'll get bad. 613 laws would control everything from the way they washed to the way they uh, ate their food to everything. It controlled every part of their life. But then Jesus came and established a new way of living that would be because of His favor and His grace. This is in Ephesians 2.8, For you have been saved by what? Not by works, not by effort, but by grace. And not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, lest anyone should boast. Here's the deal. Faith is a gift. You can't get saved unless God gives the faith to you. You can't believe for healing unless God gives the faith to you. It's a gift of faith. And you can't get saved if He doesn't give you grace. You can't get connected and be made righteous in front of a God who judges sin unless you are given a gift of righteousness. There is no other way. That's why the religions of the world are such, so destructive to the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was never about 
what you could do. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can only receive it. And hence I say this, that many of us, our receiver is busted. My son, uh, he, you know, in America, we got, in my house, I've got fiber and I've got a thousand uh, megabytes per second. Uh, I hope you're not jealous. It's called Gigaverse and um, it's incredible. I think my download speed is like 450 megabits a second. My upload speed is 450 megabits a second, right? Everything used to take four months. Now it only takes about four seconds. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, my son, he, he couldn't get it in his area. So he had kind of like satellite TV. And, and how many know that flowing through this building right now are TV signals, right? There are pictures and images going through this, uh, through your phone, to cell towers and whatever. But Unless you've got a receiver, an ability to interpret what's being sent, you can't turn what's being sent into text or pictures or video, right? You need a receiver. Without the receiver, what's sent means nothing. If you're in Africa or in some place that's in the jungle where they don't have any cell tower reception or whatever, you can have 10 of these. You're going to board a thousand of them from China and you can have them in your truck and none of them work. Right? And so here's the thing, right? God is wanting you to understand that He is pouring out His grace and His love and His kindness and His healing all the time. It's our reception. Anyway, Mark had satellite th- uh, TV, and so he was watching TV. It was great, rah, rah, rah. And then one day, it just all busted, and it just wouldn't work. So he called in a technician. The technician came and had a look at the TV and everything, and then he said, just hang on for a minute. So he went outside, and suddenly, five minutes later, the TV's working perfectly. So Mark goes out and says, what did you do? He said, oh, we had a storm about three nights ago. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was a pretty full-on storm. He says, well, it knocked the receiver out of place. And the receiver being out of place distorted all the images. That's why when Paul writes, it says, those who receive the abundant provision of grace means that their receiver is working and they can unscramble all the messages. It makes sense. They live well. They get healed. They prosper. They succeed. God helps them through difficult and dark days with incredible power. And it's because they were getting a clear picture when most of us were like a Mark's house, the storms of life have knocked your receiver out. So what you get is not what you're supposed to get. Come on in Jesus' name. And the only way you can deal with a gift is to receive it, is it not? Someone gives you a gift, you just have to learn how to receive it. Our biggest educational growth will take place in our ability to receive, not in our ability to believe. Remember, I've got to receive that God loves me in order to believe that God will want to help me. I receive, I believe, I receive. It's kind of how it works. Receive, believe, receive. Receive, believe, receive. Not believe and receive. Because then most people are trying to intellectually figure it out and go, I believe in any negative word. No, I can't handle that. No, no, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. And then they die. Just being real. My mom died of cancer, right? My mother-in-law died of cancer. I understand this world very, very well. But I realize this. We're all trying to believe. Believe. And they still die. There's something wrong with the gospel, or maybe there's something wrong with us. 
And we though there's nothing wrong with the gospel, well, they got their ultimate healing. I know that sounds nice. And it's true that they have a better, better place and we're all going to die one day and go to heaven. I agree with all that. But how about abundant living while I'm here on the planet? Okay, what about that? Hard to say the words when people are sick. But here's the thing. I, I, what I've seen, everything I've seen in Scripture, why is it the Pharisees could never receive? Why could the, the, the prostitute receive? Why could the leper receive? Why could the woman in adultery receive? Because all the obstacles have been smashed out the way. They feel so low on the rung, they're ha- actually able to receive. I don't have the time to show you uh, uh, the, the, the whole ladder versus mirror story. I'm going to do it in the next service. I'm going to basically, over these next three services, I'm going to unpack each of these chapters for you and for those that are coming. So some people will get chapter two. If you hang around, you'll get chapter two. But I'm just going to do it that way because I really feel like God wants to unveil to some of us how to receive. There's too much stress going on, too much striving going on. God wants you to learn to receive. You see, one day I'm living under the grace of God and favor and supply, and the next day I've forgotten. Right? Why is that? Because ingrained in all of us, it's this idea that I've got to work to deserve it because the curse was about working. And yet God says, enter my rest. When God had finished creating the, the heavens and the earth, when He finished creating, uh, uh, finished creation, what did He do first? Rest. Not because He was tired, but because he wanted you to know it was holy. He wanted the man to do nothing before he worked. So in God's economy, God wanted man to rest first and then work. The Jewish calendar, rest, the, the Sabbath, it starts at nighttime so that you rest first and then you work. What do we do in the West? We work and then we collapse to have some rest. And God's saying it's not that way around. Okay, I'm looking at the time. I'm going to move right on. So I'm going to talk. So the reason why we struggle with all this is because of the curse. It says you will not uh, get anything except by the sweat of your brow. Is what God says to Adam. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. That's why it's so difficult to do the oxymoron of this idea of working and just receive, because we've been told you can't receive. You've got to work. Does that make sense? And so it's amazing to me, is that these are little things we don't have time for, but I'll just throw a couple of things in here. How many, what the na- how many know what the name Noah means? The name Noah means rest. Means rest. Here's what happens. You see, the ark is the illustration of Jesus. There was only one door. Noah invited everyone to get on board. It was the vehicle that saved the world. And what's amazing is that the captain of the first boat was rest. The thing that's going to take you out of your trouble is not working, it's rest. We're not talking about sitting at home on a beanbag watching TV. We're not talking about it. It Jesus was the busiest guy on the planet, but he was always at rest. It's about resting in work, not resting from work. This was not, a, this was not a, uh, an opportunity to get a new start. This was an opportunity to rest in work. Make sense? Rest in work. So, <laughs> grace 
is the gift of God that's undeserved, unearned, and favor. God wants you to know that grace, here, let, me, let me give you a couple of things uh, that I'm going to help you with here. What grace is, what's another word for grace? Because I say to people, what's, explain grace to me. And this is what people say, oh, it's amazing. I'm like, thank you so much for your intellectual depth. It's fantastic. What's another word for grace? Here's another word for grace. Provision, favor, supply, miracles. That's another word for grace. What's another word for rest? Rest is peace, assurance, confidence, boldness. These are the words. So this is what I know. This is what I've worked out. When I'm in peace, I'm living under grace. When I'm not in peace, I'm not under grace. Positionally, I'm under grace, but I've fallen from grace. As Paul said to the Galatians, who are a bunch of Christians, not non-Christians who had fallen from grace. He's talking to Christians that in their Christianity can fall from a position of trusting God's favor and grace. You're under grace because God chose you. And because God chose you, He has to favor you. And the reason He chose you and the reason that He favors you is because He chose you. We can't live well without God's favor or grace. It's standing right by us while we're still lining up doing the work of trying to get our tickets and God wants us to change our lives. Here's the thing. If you, can't, if you don't understand grace, which is the foundation, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. We've emphasized all these years faith, 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 faith. It's only half the equation. You've been saved by believing that it was done for you already. Grace is God's unmerited favor, undeserved favor in every area of life. And this is what happened in the church. We get saved by grace and then we live the rest of our life in works. Put it this way, how many of you found that when we, when we pray uh, to God, we, we really determine whether we're going to pray by how good we feel about ourselves? If I've sinned, I wait for three days before I'll approach the throne of God. That means I expect my works to be acceptable to God as if they ever can be or ever will be. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it this way. He says, what arrogance on our part to think that somehow if we feel better in our emotions, that that somehow placates a just God. As if God cares about how you feel. In other words, about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Jared will fix it all up next week. Here's the thing, right? As if God cares about how you feel about Him. Oh, I don't feel good enough. As if, oh, you know, I feel really, really strong and righteous before God. And God's like, really? Your righteousness is like filthy rags. So anything you present to me is rubbish. So stop presenting yourself and start presenting Jesus. I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus, not because I feel better. And this is what Martin Luther was saying. How dare we think because we feel better that somehow God feels better. Oh, I'm glad he feels better. Now I can bless him. Think about how stupid that is and how stupid we are because that's how we live most of the time. I do. I know it's only me. Pastor Jared is obviously a greater man, but that's how I live. I have to battle between, oh, you know what, I'm good. I'm coming to God to pray. I've been so good this week. 
And on the weeks I haven't been so good, hey God, how are you? (laughs) Cheers. Right? And God says, that's why you've got it wrong. You've got to receive the abundant provision of grace. What does that mean? I am loved by God. I am righteous because of Jesus. I am under His favor, His favor, His favor, His unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. That means I've just got to receive my jobs to receive. How did I get saved? By working for it? No, I had to receive salvation. What makes me think that once I've received, I've now got to earn? It's a good thought, isn't it? He might, he might be onto something, Cyril. He might be onto something. We had to believe it was a gift to get saved, and you have to believe it's a gift to reign. Hebrews 4.11 says this, Let us labor therefore into, the, into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. You see, you have a choice. You and I have a choice. Do we want to live with restful increase or stressful increase. The worst of all of that would be stressful decrease. (laughs) But God wants us to live with restful increase. Here's the deal. We live in a rat race. And even if you win the race, you're a rat. (laughs) So get off the rat race and let restful increase propel you to the future. Come on. Remember when Paul was saying, I've got all this trouble going on around me. And what does is, what is, uh, he write in 2 Corinthians? He says, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. There's no additive. There's no extra. There's nothing more than God's favor and grace. What there is, though, is on my side, the ability to receive. Because even though the TV is beaming signals, my receiver determines whether I get the signal and can see the picture or whether it's just things that go past me. Here's the thing. God's healing people all over the world today, touching people, helping people all over the world. So why isn't He helping me? I've got to realize this. One, God's grace is sufficient no matter what I'm in. Number two, I've got to realize that His strength and power is made powerful through my weakness. Yes, that's awesome. Those things come out of me. God's developing me. Sometimes I have to go through, but God didn't put it on me, but I've got to learn to receive His grace. What's His grace again? His favor, miracles, supply, all of those things. And what are the symptoms of grace? Peace, assurance, confidence, boldness. So this is how I test myself. If I'm thinking about an issue in the church and I feel myself anxious about it, I'm not under grace. Here's the thing, what grace gives, peace guards. What grace gives, peace guards. Peace is the symptom of whether I've received grace. That's why Jesus said, yoke yourself to me and you will find, he says, and, and I, come unto me, sorry, he says, those that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Notice, give you rest. What's he talking about? Rest for your conscience. Then it goes on and says, yoke yourself to me and you will find rest for your souls. So there's rest for my conscience. See, I don't wake up. Most of us are probably in this room never wake up thinking, oh, what's the purpose of life? Oh, 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 is God real? I don't know. Why? Because I have rest in my, in my spirit, in my conscience. It's at rest. Who, who's ever, don't put up your hand, but in your heart, then we have an article straight after that. Here's the point. 
When we get saved, we get rest in our conscience. But it doesn't mean we have rest in our soul. Jesus said, yoke yourself to me. Think about this. He uses a beast of burden of work to illustrate rest. It's incredible. So here we are. They take, you know, when they have two oxen, they wouldn't both die at the same time. One would die and they'd replace it with the younger ox. And the younger ox would be tied to the old ox. And as they walk along, the young ox is full of vigor and spring, but the, the young ox is, but the old ox knows what this road's going to be like. So whenever there's a pool of water, the old ox stops. And the old ox starts drinking. The young ox is thinking, I don't need a drink, I can go forever. The old ox says in his head, buddy, there's no more water for another two miles. Drink now. So when Jesus said, yoke yourself to me, he says, whatever I do, you do. And whenever you do what I do, you will find rest for your souls. One, I'll give you rest for your conscience. But number two, you'll find rest for your soul. Does that make sense? And this is the thing that you and I. Psalm 5.12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour as with a shield. I put things now under grace, under grace. Remember when Nathan and Chloe couldn't get their green cards, so they were stuck in Adelaide for a year. And God began to reveal to me about grace. It was about receiving the abundant provision of grace. So I'm walking up and down in my backyard, which is right now full of snow, but then it was a beautiful day. And I'm just praying, God, God, I just put, I'm not going to worry because worry is a sign I'm not under grace. I've fallen from grace. So Lord, I put their situation under your grace. I'm no longer going to pray about it. I put it under your grace. God said to me, when you're working, I'm resting. When you're resting, I'm working. All right, God, I put it under your grace. I'm doing this day after day and just not thinking about it anymore. And then one day I have a, a, a mind vision while I'm praying. And in this vision, I see a bureaucrat behind a desk with thousands and thousands of files. And suddenly this light comes on over this desk. He's got all these files up, up in a, uh, just in front of him on some shelves. And he stops what he's doing methodically. And he just looks around and he picks randomly a file, opens it up. And it says, Nathan and Chloe Evans. So I'm excited. I'm like, wow. Wow, God's revealing to me. So Two days later, I text Nathan. I would never say it to him because it sounds like I'm crazy, right? So I sent him this text. It was my wedding anniversary. And I said, Nathan, this is the vision I had two days ago. Eight hours later, literally eight hours later, I get an email from immigration saying we've expedited Nathan's immigration interview for his green card. This is he's in Australia. This is from Sydney, from the embassy in Sydney. And I'm like to Jane, this is our wedding anniversary. I'm like, Jane, see, I told, look, I told you this is what happened. And then I kept reading about, after being so excited, after five minutes, I read the rest. And it says, and we've scheduled your interview for October the 22nd, 2019. And I'm like, what? Because that October the 22nd was Nathan's birthday. God so cares about the details 
And I said, this is not just a word for you, Chloe, uh, for you, Nathan. This is to let Chloe know that this is God. God has opened the door that no man can shut. This is for you to know that He's in charge of all the details. He wants you to have a very happy birthday. And so now they live in America with their green cards. Their little boy, Jed, has a green card. They're all happy in the green card. But where did it come from? Not by be striving, striving, striving. But every day, God, I put Nathan and Chloe under your grace. I put that green card under grace. You're going to work. I receive your abundant provision of favor, help, supply, miracles. I receive it in Jesus' name. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.